What I want everyone out there to understand is how easy it is to get most of your information and then they call you up or they email you trying to get you to provide that little bit more. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Hi, it's Kathy, host of the Rock Your Retirement Show. And today I'm here with Laura Barish. Laura is on the Clinical Affairs Committee for the San Diego Dementia Consortium. And she's very involved in helping the community to expand their awareness of dementia issues and how to mitigate issues. And by the way, we are joined by her pet parrot, who you may hear making some loving little sounds in the background. If you're wondering what that is, that is her parrot. And I'm trying to keep Mr. Grant under control. You may have heard Mr. Grant in previous interviews. If you don't, if you're new to the show, he's my Moluccan cockatoo. So Laura and I have something in common. So Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you. From one bird brain to another. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So thanks again. We wanted to talk to you uh, about something pretty serious, and that is preventing elder abuse and what some of the signs are and and just because this is a very serious issue wouldn't you think it is i don't really think it happens a lot but when it does happen it is well publicized and it is important that people really are aware of and understand the different forms of abuse that can occur So what are they? I mean, everybody kind of knows about physical abuse, but what other types of abuse are there? Well, and I think the physical abuse is probably one of the least common that we find. We see much more prevalent various forms of financial abuse, and these get instigated in a number of ways. The more technological we are, we see issues with email invoked abuse. My mother got caught by one of those. I actually called her up one day and said, hey, mom, I'm seeing emails coming across where they're telling people that their passwords need to be confirmed and go on to this. You know, in this case, I think it was a Bank of America. Go go to this Bank of America link and plug in all this information. Now, meanwhile, they're, quote, verifying their account information and giving the scammers, everything that is needed to perpetrate elder abuse or to perpetrate, you know, financial abuse. So we immediately contacted the bank and because as I called her up, she said, oh yeah, I just did that. (laughs) Like, oops. So we contacted the bank and changed her banking number and got her a new card and just secured everything. So that's one aspect. A big one that hits a lot of older adults is the Western Union fraud, where you'll get someone calling up claiming to be an attorney or someone from a jail, and we have your grandson, and there's bail is a certain amount, and there's attorney's fees, and they're in Mexico, and we need you to wire $1,500 immediately. That's very, very prevalent. And they always say, oh, and or, you know, it'll sometimes be a younger person calling, oh, please don't tell mom, I'm so, I'm so mortified by all of this. And they play on a person's heartstrings. And unfortunately, 
you know, a lot of times the, the grandparents love their grandkids and so they do this and it happens enough. There's the IRS scam where someone will call up and say, you know, you are in default of your taxes, you owe $750 or $2,000 or whatever they think they can get away with. And you need to meet us down at the courthouse. You don't have to bother going in. We'll send uh, an officer out from the court and just get yourself a visa gift card with this dollar amount on, and we will give you paperwork and and you'll be fine. Well, the whole thing is a scam. Of course, because the IRS doesn't call, do they? No. Banks, the IRS, none of these organizations will contact you by phone or email. They will always send a letter. And if it's from the IRS, they're going to send you a certified letter. So anytime anyone is getting a call, just ignore it. I mean, I I got a call a couple of times from these fraudulent IRS people. And the first time I knew that it was a fake. So I played along with it and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, you know what, you know, what's going on? I got this message. And, and so they go into their stick and I was like, okay, you know, yeah, game's over. I, I already know this is a fraud. And they're like, oh, well, you're in big trouble and we're going to send the police. And I was like, oh, great, do it. I'd love to speak with him. Click. <laughs> you know, they, and they hung up on me. And Did you hear about the guy that recorded these conversations? No, I didn't. Yeah, there was a podcast. I think it was the podcast called Red, R-E-D. I'll put it in the show notes, but he recorded like five or six of these conversations. Like he was stringing the guy along and then um, the guy got really mad. It was some guy from another country and the guy got mad at him. And then he started talking with all of them about what they do, how they do it, why they do it, how much money they make and all that. It was a really interesting uh, podcast episode. Yeah. So, and you know, I have to tell you just yesterday, my husband who is, I think he's 73, received a call. I think it was a message. It was a message and it was a robotic voice telling him that he had a a warrant out for his arrest and that he should call this number. Now, he didn't call it. If I would have been smart, I would have had him call it and recorded the call. (laughs) But he deleted it. Have you heard of that? That must be new because it was just yesterday. I've not heard of that one. There is one very important one for everyone to know about, and that's the yes scam. And this is one where someone will call up and they will pretend to have a bad connection. And, and they'll say, well, can, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Can, can you hear me now? And the objective is to get you to say yes. They record you saying yes, and they use that recording with other information that they have from you to purchase things on the internet. And they have your recorded voice to do that or to do other things. So this has happened to me once where someone called up and pulled this and, um, and they said, well, can, can you hear me? And it's like, no. Well, well, can, can you hear me now? No, no, I can't hear you. You know, and every time they tried to get me to say yes, I simply responded with no or with, oh, you're crazy or, you know, with everything other than that. What? And it got to the point they were like, oh, OK, well, you can hear me now. So and then they would ask me other questions again, trying to get me to say yes. And I would say, look, you're a dirtbag. Hang up now. 
<laughs> so, so you've had these people call you as well. The the yes scam. They call you and they try to. So what do you? You just refuse to say yes unless unless it's someone you know. How? What do you do? You just hang up. The easiest thing, the safest thing, is just to hang up. And just hang up, or just to say go away and hang up. Don't call me anymore. Hang up. So if it's someone that you don't know, if it's someone that you don't know and you're not expecting the call and they're asking for any form of information, just say no, thank you and hang up. That's good advice in case they're recording you so they can use that voice print of you saying yes to buy stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's becoming more and more prevalent. Yeah. I had never heard of that. Yeah. No, it's, it's a more recent scam. I've only personally encountered that once. What I want everyone out there to understand is how easy it is to get most of your information and then they call you up or they email you trying to get you to provide that little bit more. So anyone anywhere can order a mailing list. We've done it on occasion to just send out mass mailings about an event or something that we were having. When you order a mailing list, you can get a lot of demographic information. And when we order mailing lists, we are looking for people in certain zip codes. So you can target people by more affluent areas if you choose. You can ask for age groups. You can ask for reported income levels. And so you can actually go out there and specifically target And so that's how easy it is. So when people are contacting as part of these frauds, there's a really good chance. They're not just doing random dialing. They've gotten demographic information to try to target for specific types of scams. Now, with something like an email blast, they will just start blasting through the network. Or, you know, the one that's been in the news a lot the last few days is this whole thing with the computer being locked up. So if you're a Microsoft user, make sure that your virus software is kept up to date. And if you haven't updated it within the last week before you do anything else, before you go onto any website, just get your virus signatures up to date. There's another scam out there that hits the Microsoft world where you'll get a pop-up on your screen that says you're Microsoft drivers are not up to date. You need to pay $300 or $200, whatever it is, and update your drivers. And that's another scam. And really, the only way to get out of it is to open the computer in safe mode and clear everything out and then reboot it and then do a a virus check on your computer. Wow. And because more and more older adults are fairly tech savvy, there is more and more that is targeting. Don't go to any website that you don't know. Don't open an attachment from anyone, especially if you get an email where you're seeing the same email from multiple users, but they all have the same subject line. They all have the same thing. And it says, oh, this is really cool. Open this up. Do not open that up. Don't go to that link. I don't even click on links that people send. I got an email the other day from a business associate of mine. I could tell it wasn't from him because of all the people in the two column, but it said it's finally here or something like that. And then it gave a link and I'm like, 
I forwarded the whole email back to him on a different email and I said, I want you to know that this is being sent. Yeah. And that's a worm. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. If you're a Microsoft Outlook user, there are vulnerabilities that these worms and viruses target. So it is really important. There are very few people that I will open links when I receive emails. Uh, there's a friend of my mother's that you know I've known for 50 some years and so when I get something from her, I know it's safe, but she is one of the few people that when she sends me something, I know that it's basically pretty good. But for the most part, like you, I don't tend to open up attachments. I don't open up links. If something piques my curiosity and I want to potentially look at it, I'll verify with the, the sender that they actually did send it and that it's safe. Right. Call them up. Isn't that amazing? Use your phone to actually make a phone call. <laughs> so thank okay, so you've done a really good job of giving us some information on what some of these financial scams are. And when we come back from the break, we'll talk about how to identify if your loved one is being hit with a scam. So right now we're talking with Laura Barish from Alta Golden. And we'll be right back after this break. Hi, this is Kathy. When I'm not hosting Rock Your Retirement, I'm helping people with their Medicare insurance. One of the times you need to check your Medicare insurance is when you've moved. To get my free guide, Five Things You Need to Know About Medicare When You Are Moving, just go to medicarequick.com slash move. And in the meantime, listen to these cool disclosures. Neither Medicare Quick nor its agents is connected with the federal Medicare program. Medical insurance licensed in the states of California, Florida, Nevada, and Texas, and Medicare Advantage and Prescription Drug Plan service areas vary. California insurance license 0797566. Hi, this is Hank Coleman from MoneyQ&A.com, and you're listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. Welcome back. We're speaking with Laura Barish, who's the president and CEO of Alta Golden. And she has been telling us about some of the financial abuse scams because we're talking about elder abuse and financial elder abuse is one of the most common types of elder abuse. So Laura, welcome back. Thank you very much. Thanks. So we were just about to talk about some of the signs of how you can tell if your loved one is falling prey to some of this abuse? Well, you know, a lot of times it's the type of thing that won't be reported by the older adult. One of the biggest concerns with any of this is if the adult is impaired in any way. A recent example, one of my clients was targeted by a con artist who was supposed to be a contractor, and he tore her kitchen apart, had her pay for all kinds of stuff, rented a truck, had her co-sign for a leased vehicle. And when we first became involved with her, I, the red flag for me was what was going on with the kitchen. And I ended up bringing in a fiduciary, and the fiduciary brought in an attorney, and we got paperwork in place to protect her and we're going after this guy who scammed her. I mean, she's probably out 20 grand just from him. So there is a lot that ends up 
happening with impaired adults. We had a client several years ago who had advanced dementia. She received a call one day, again, from someone who was trying to do the Western Union scam. And she then called up her daughter and said, I need to have $1,500 put into my checking account. And the daughter called me up in a panic explaining everything. And I told her about the Western Union scam and and then gave her some guidance on what could be done to protect. But a lot of times, like one of my employees downstairs neighbor was caught by that scam. And she happened to be out of the country with her husband, called me up and needed me to get some things from her apartment. And we had to go through all kinds of gyrations because he had already been hit and he didn't, you know, he wasn't trusting of anyone at that point, God bless him and and for good cause. But a, a lot of times these things end up happening and, and then the family finds out after the fact. And uh, it's really hard to predict. It's, it's really hard to prevent the best way to deal with it. And I do go around the county giving elder abuse prevention seminars is uh, education. It's just make your loved ones aware of all of the different ways in which people can be targeted. So do you think that somebody with a caregiver is going to be more or less likely to get scammed? So talking about the caregiver side of things is really important. Now, my company does caregiving and caregiving is expensive. And a lot of times with older adults, we want to make sure that they're protected One of the reasons that you'll use an agency is because of the checks and balances. But one of the things, like our company has a policy that no one in the company may accept durable power of attorney for any client ever. Our caregivers are not allowed to do care management types of functions without that being coordinated through the office. It's all to make sure that everything is safe. You never, if you're using a private caregiver, you never want to let that caregiver have the keys to the kingdom. If we have a caregiver who's responsible for shopping, then we will generally do something like getting a link card, which will link to an account that has limited access, or they'll have cash and they've got to bring back receipts and change and everything is very closely tracked. But some of the abuses that we see in the caregiving world is when you don't handle that carefully. The other aspect that anyone who's using a private caregiver needs to be aware of that even though they are paying that person themselves and it's not an employer type of thing. They are actually the employer of record. So we had a client that was using a hybrid approach. They used a combination. Their parents needed 24-hour care, so they used us for half of the work and they had private caregivers. And I counseled the son to make sure that he bought a worker's comp policy for the caregivers that he was hiring privately. Another aspect is that even though it's a private caregiver, you still have to pay overtime if you're working that person more than eight hours a day. If it's a live-in caregiver, you have to pay overtime, and it's time and a half uh, on the live-in side after nine hours. And for either the eight-hour type of situation or the nine-hour, after 12 hours of continual work, you're having to pay double time. Right. So 
I was more under the concept that if you have a caregiver that you might not fall prey to some of these telephone scams, that that might actually help. But you're, it, you're saying that... It can. It can. As long as the caregiver is aware of the scams and is monitoring. You know, if you've got a situation where the older adult is telling the caregiver, if I'm on the phone, I want to have my privacy and you must leave the room, caregiver will, you know, have limitations on how much they can protect. Um, what, let's say that a caregiver is working with a client in that scenario, but the client is impaired. So the family has brought the caregiver in to take care of their loved one. You can put baby monitors in the room and the caregiver that can then monitor conversations. We had a, a situation and this wasn't, well, we had a combination of family members that would come into the home or they would call up and there were significant problems. There was a restraining order against one of the family members. The other family members were constantly creating problems and trying to disrupt this very severely demented individual. And so we very closely monitored all communications to make sure that she was kept safe, that she was not put into a state of agitation through the communications, that the family wasn't trying to steal more money that had already been taken. It's a tricky thing. If you've got someone who is cognitively sound, the best thing is just to educate them so that they can be aware of certain things happen that they know just to hang up. So educate your loved ones, make sure the caregivers are educated. And also, if you have a caregiver, an outside caregiver, make sure that you have systems in place to help prevent the temptation of that caregiver to try. Because, you know, it can be a lot of temptation. What they say is desperate people do desperate things, right? The other thing that I always recommend, anytime you are bringing a caregiver into the home, secure small valuable items. Perfect example. We recently took over a client from another agency. And one of the things that we did was ask the conservator and the fiduciary to go in, and before we came in and started services, we wanted to have the valuables inventoried. When they got there, and the, the fiduciary had seen this woman just two to three months prior, had and the woman had shown her, you know, what was in her jewelry box, and and when we got there, uh, or when the fiduciary got there and went to inventory everything, she discovered that everything had been cleaned out. So someone from the prior agency had emptied her of, her of all her valuables. As scrupulous as we try to be at the agency level, and everyone is fingerprinted, and we check references, and we interview them, and if they don't feel right, we don't hire them. But as scrupulous as we are at the agency level, things can sometimes happen. So whether you are using an agency or a private caregiver, secure those things that, and, you know, we had a, a client years ago, a hospice client, and we said the same thing to the family, you know, secure everything. They said, oh yes, we have cataloged everything and it's all locked up in a safe and no problem at all. Well, we discovered after the woman had died that 
yes, they had cataloged and secured everything. And then they hung the key to the safe in the closet oh, with a tag no. that said jewelry cabinet in the living room or whatever room oh, it was in. No. Well, the clean, cleaning lady had had unfettered access to the house the day before the woman went home. She'd been suspected previously of stealing some jewelry. And after the woman's death, they discovered that the jewelry case had been cleaned out. Now, you know, we cooperated with the police, gave all of the background check information, agreed to polygraph, but it's here the family is already dealing with one tragedy and now they're dealing with another tragedy. So just be sensible anytime if you're bringing a cleaning lady into your house, you have whatever, pest control people, just use common sense. Well, Laura, I know that you have limited time, so I wanted to thank you for coming on the show. Before we end, is there anything that you would like to tell a listener? I would say if you ever have questions about something, just ask. Ask a resource in the community. Call up your attorney. Call your children. It is not a sign of weakness to ask for help or guidance. I mean, anyone can call me at any time and and ask questions, whether they're a client or not. The biggest thing is to make sure that you are safe and that you always have what's needed to have a, a happy, secure life. So... That's great. And if somebody does have a question or if they're in the San Diego area and they're looking for a caregiver, how can they reach you? They can either call our office at uh, 858-779-9254. We're available 24 hours a day after hours. If they need to speak with someone directly, they just hit the number one on the keypad and they'll reach one of us. Uh, or they can visit our website at altagolden.com. And we also have a wonderful adult daycare center for people with dementia, and that is in Rancho Bernardo on West Bernardo Drive. Well, thank you so much, Laura. This has been just a delight. I mean, about a very serious subject. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your podcast. I've listened to some of your other shows, and they're always a lot of fun to listen to. So I'm glad that I got to be a part of this. Well, thank you again. And for the listener, we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Ben K. Forty writes, retired and loving it. Ben K. Forty writes, I retired early and I'm so glad I did. The guests on this show give great advice on this show about retirement lifestyle. Thanks, Ben K. Forty. Really appreciate it. Wasn't that fun? I'd love for you to leave a review too. And if you don't know how, just go to rockyourretirement.com slash review. And that'll take you to a free video tutorial that shows you how. Oh, wait. 
I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. 
just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.